Start with the set-aside prayer. God, please set aside everything I think I know about you, God, the steps, recovery, the big book, what's best for me, what's best for others. Especially help me let go of all my old ideas so I can live on your spiritual truth. Heavenly Father, have mercy on me, a sinner. Help me to carry your message tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. Uh, we're going to be uh, reading the second step in the big book. We're on page 46, and we spent a lot of time getting here. Uh, one of the reasons is that they have given, that they feel it's so important for us to have not only understand that we're alcoholic and what that means, but that we understand how we're powerless over alcohol. That our power, no human power can relieve this situation. Only a spiritual experience. And if you don't believe that, keep trying if you're a real alcoholic and you won't make it. I can't say that. Some I can't say it, but I wouldn't make it. The things that I've seen in all these years of doing this is it's, it's a tough disease. I talked to somebody today who called me yesterday, but my phone was off, and I reached out to them last week. And during COVID, shortly after we started our meetings, I had worked with him, and then uh, he, uh, he just couldn't stay sober. And he told me how he was doing relatively well a short period of time and he wanted to visit with me. So this is at 11 o'clock. I said, well, the meeting's at 7.30. I'll be here at 7. I'd really like to talk to you. It's great hearing from you. I'm really, uh, and he says, I can't wait. I'm really looking forward to it too. And at 7 o'clock, I'm sitting here and it doesn't show. Now that's not because he's a bad person. That's the disease. It's a bad disease, and it should, it should uh, make us humble. And so, um, Kevin's sending you a thing, but he stopped. Okay, it's it's Tava's phone, and uh, so anyway, we uh, are on uh, page forty-six, and we've gotten to the point where we're now going to talk about God. We started the God book. And why are we going to talk about God? Because uh, we have to find God and allow Him to work in our lives so we can change our personality from self-centered to God-centered. And this is not a theological book. It's not meant to be. It's a spiritual book. I think what we're going to read works for all faiths and all, all different faiths have studied the big book and have made, people have become, become sober. And so um, they are telling us that um, if we, on page 46, there's three things that are required, or two things, I guess. You have to lay aside your prejudice against God or allowing God to run your life. A lot of people I know tell me they believe in God, but they don't trust God. There's a difference. And they haven't allowed God to direct them. And so they, it's, it's hard to explain to them the difference, except I say, well, why are you worrying all the time? Why do you have fear if you trust God? And you know, you see what I mean? And so, we have to lay aside prejudice, express even a willingness to believe in a power greater than ourselves, we commence to get results. 
and they and this is important even though it was impossible for any of us to fully define or comprehend that power which is God and that's page 46 we, we can't really comprehend God and, and we give him we give him human characteristics a lot of times when people are discussing God but God is God we we don't we can't understand it and you know scripture says we don't understand his ways and he does certain things and we don't like the way he does them but you know that's that's our human um, humanist evaluating a power that created us. Think how preposterous that is. And then it's and then this is a really important paragraph. Much to our relief, to their relief, you don't have to define or comprehend God. We discover we need, need not need to consider another's conception of God. My conception of God doesn't have to be yours. I made this comment, I thought it made sense. I'll say it tonight, you guys tell me if it makes sense. If I go to church Sunday and there are 100 people there and they're all believing in Jesus, inside their conception of Jesus, each one is a little different. And, and so we all have our individual conception. But as it says later in the book, the only important thing about that is make sure it works. It's a power that can work. It can't be a doorknob or a plant or tree. It has to be something that in the middle of the night can say, don't get a drink. And uh, that's page uh, 103 or something, or 90. I made that up, but it's in uh, Working With Others. I know the book, but I don't have it, know it that well. It says, our own conception, however inadequate, was sufficient to make the approach and effect a contact with him. Now the rest of the chapter is really about there's no barrier between me and my higher power except me. And we're, we're seeking God. God can and will if he is sought. We want to be God seekers. We don't have to worry about all the characteristics of God and why God does this or that. We just need his help. And that's the humility that's required in step one. If you're not broken in step one, completely defeated, you won't be humble enough to be a, the seeker that they're talking about. And then we don't have to worry because alcohol and drugs will make you more humble. But a lot of people never make it back. They just can't, they just can't give up on themselves. And it's not because they're bad, that's just the way it is. Remember it says they're constitutionally incapable of being honest with themselves. They can't see the truth of their situation. They admit complete defeat. And then there are people who can see the truth and admit defeat, but then the ego rebuilds quickly. And, they, they, and that's, that's the danger too. So it's, there's a reason why the recovery rate is so low. I think if the people make 10 years, it's like 0.001% or something. It's not because AA doesn't work or the steps don't work. It's the disease. As soon as you admit the possible existence of a creative intelligence, just admit it. A spirit of the universe underlying the totality of things, we began to be possessed of a new sense of power and direction. Well, that's true, because if you admit that there is a God, then uh, you're going to have a sense of you need that help. You need his help. And it says, provided we took other steps. So just 
believing that there is a power greater than yourself won't do it. It's the relationship with the power. And the relationship is the key. And we'd start talking about that in uh, the next chapter. You know, God is to be our director. Uh, and it says, we found, this is what they found, that God does not make too hard terms with those who seek him. One of the, really the great promises in the, I don't know if it's a promise, but it is true. God doesn't make too hard terms with those who seek him. You know who makes the hard terms? We do. And uh, I found when I completely decided to give up, I don't know if I actually made the decision, but when I gave up completely, I think it was made for me, I just felt better. And, I, and uh, just knowing that God was there, I just felt better. My life was still a mess, but I felt better. I don't know if you could relate to that. Within instantaneously, I just felt better. I gave up. When we give up, God starts to work in our lives. He can't work in our lives till we give up. And there's no hard terms. It's 88 pages. Follow the directions. It doesn't say in the big book, if you don't do this, you won't recover. It says you must do certain things to have the relationship with God. There's a difference. And I do believe those musts are true. To us, the realm of spirit, that's where God is in charge, and I work for him, and he takes care of me, is broad, roomy, all-inclusive. Now, they're not talking about eternal life here or salvation. They're talking eternal salvation. They're talking about you being saved from your self-centeredness. You understand? That's why I said it's not a theological book. It's a spiritual book. How can I be saved from my self-centeredness? And so the realm of the spirit is broad, roomy, all-inclusive. There's nothing blocking me from moving into God's world except who? Me. Consciously separate from God. Anybody do that today? You get disturbed, you start writing the show. And then I want to be in conscious contact with God in the now. I was trying to explain to somebody who was worried. They said, well, what should I be worried about? I said, nothing. Uh, now, they're not an alcoholic and addict, but they have overwhelming self-centered fear. And they're, uh, they can't function, Couldn't get, can't get out of bed, can't eat. And so that's where those medicines are very helpful used to sell some of those, yeah. And so he's on the medicine, and I said, just stay in the now, just be okay, you're gonna be okay. But that's not what we do. We're, we're self-centered fear. And we, uh, we are uneasy. Anybody get uneasy? And we're worried that things won't go the way we planned, or somebody doesn't like us, or this and that. We bring it in. We bring it into our head. And so then we move God, we move out of God's world. So we have to move in and out of God's world all the time. Never exclusive or forbidding to those who earnestly seek. Hey, Phil, good to see you. We're on page 46, Phil. So the realm is broad, roomy, all-inclusive, never exclusive or forbidding to those who earnestly seek. So if you earnestly seek, remember they ask you with all the earnestness at our command, that you give yourself completely to the simple program. Earnest means serious, right? It means with everything you got. 
those who earnestly seek, it is open, we believe, to all men. I believe that too. So now we're going to go, when therefore we speak to you of God, we mean your own conception of God. This applies to or to other spiritual expressions which you find in this book. Now here's another warning. Do not let any prejudice, prejudgment you may have against spiritual terms deter you from honestly asking yourself what they mean to you. So they're starting to talk about prejudices, my old ideas. What are my old ideas? And don't let that deter you from honestly asking yourself what these things mean. So some people read the book and they don't like it, they don't like the words, they don't like this and that. Well, you know, they're saying, please. Remember the first page of the big book is blank because we're to leave behind everything we thought we know, right? For the rest of the, the, so we have to, at the start, this was all that was needed to commence spiritual growth. is to get rid of my prejudice and to affect my first conscious relationship with God as we understood him. So that's all you need to do in the beginning is become a seeker and don't deter yourself with any prejudice to start growing spiritually. Now remember, our spiritual growth never ends. Doesn't matter how long you're sober, you keep doing it. I listen to the scripture this morning, I've been praying all day, and it never stops. Afterwards, we found ourselves accepting many things which then seemed entirely out of reach. So in the beginning, just don't prejudice yourself against some spiritual terms, and then you'll start to see as you start the relationship with God that you can accept more things. It was seen entirely out of reach. That was growth. But if we wished to grow, we had to begin somewhere. So we used our own conception, however limited it was. So some people start with their own conception of God and they end up having certain religious beliefs and going back to church or whatever. But in the beginning, for all of us, it has to be God, however limited it be. So here's the only question you need to ask yourself. Do I now believe, or am I even willing to believe, that there's a power greater than myself? So you've, you've taken your first step. You know you have no way yourself of getting out of this on your power. And they're asking you to believe, or be willing to believe, that there's a power greater than yourself that can solve your main problem, which is separation from him. That's not tough, is it? That's not a tough requirement, is it? Now remember, that belief won't keep you sober but you have to, be, have to believe in a power greater than yourself. As soon as a man can say that he does believe or is willing to believe, we emphatically assure him so they're gonna assure that person that he's on his way. Now, if you can't believe or willing to believe that there's a power greater than yourself, you're not gonna make it. And I think some people can say this, but they don't really believe it, and they still are in their first step. And that's why I don't think they make it. They give lip service to this belief, but they don't really truly believe it. And, and the first step is so important because you can't do the others until you do the first step. And I made the mistake, assuming everybody comes to the AA is taking their first step. You know, you would think. You listen to their story and what's going on, but it's, it's in your inner, innermost self that you fully concede you're an alcoholic and that you understand you have no power ever over alcohol on your own and you cannot manage your life. So if you do believe or you're willing to believe, we emphatically assure him he's on his way. 
It has been repeatedly proven among us that upon this simple cornerstone, cornerstone is the cornerstone of the arch, a wonderfully effective spiritual structure can be built. Now we're building an arch through which we're going to pass to freedom from the bondage of self, living in the world that I created into God's world. And we're going to pass through this. And then, and that's steps one through nine. And that's 10, 10, 11, 12 is how we stay in God's world. And we grow in it. And so the foundation of the arch is willingness. And willingness because of the pain of running my own life and being powerless over alcohol. So we want people to have pay, to make them completely willing. Now how much willingness do you need to have an effective spiritual structure? It can't have any holes in it. You get it? If it's weak, is it built on rock or is it built on sand? You've heard that in scripture. So what are we building our arch on? And we're going to see on page 76 when you do your fifth step, it says, did you build your structure on rock or did you build it on sand? Have you put cement in? the arch so it'll stay up. So the cornerstone is belief. So you need 100% willingness and we hope you'll be 100% believing that there is a power greater than yourself. And then what's the keystone of the arch? The keystone of the arch is the decision in step three that you're not going to play God anymore. Why? Doesn't work. And God's going to be your director. So you have those three stones, but the three stones won't make you recovered. You need to do the steps one through nine to build the other stones, and step ten is where you enter the world of the spirit. You've moved through that structure. Now the structure doesn't have to be perfect to move through it, but it has to be the best you can do and follow the directions in the book. So we're building an arch through which we can walk a free man. And I didn't know that until I listened to Joe and Charlie. And, and the, way you, um, the way we change and we have a relationship with God, can I go through that? It's, it's five dominoes. The first domino is willingness, and that comes from your step one. The second, the second domino of change is belief. You believe you can change, you're willing to change. Step three is the decision we make in step three to change. And then steps four through nine are the action we take to have faith. So it's willingness, belief, decision, act, and faith. And willingness, belief, action, decision, and faith. And the dominoes need to be moving pretty quickly. Like you can't spend a year on the first domino. You lose the power. And then when you're doing the work with someone, you want to keep moving the momentum. And I've had a lot of people start working the four step and then the things happen and it drags and after a while the momentum's lost and then you really have to start again. A lot of that's because they haven't really taken their first step. And so uh, we want a relationship with God, which is trust and faith. Belief is not the same in AA as trust in God. The belief is transformed into trust and true faith by the action of the steps. Why? Because I know if I ask God to remove my fear and direct my attention to how it should be, and I do that prayer, the fear goes away. I know if I say, God, save me from being angry, 
your will be done. Give me love and tolerance. Things change. It says in step 10, when uh, selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, fear, when we see that and they crop up, we do what? We ask God at once to remove them. When I keep in my relationship with God and keep him, the action of staying close to him all day, it works. My life is better. You can see the results. You feel better. You're in less conflict with everybody and everything. You see the truth about alcohol, and you get peace of mind. Well, all that for $5 and 88 pages. <laughs> Think about it. Think of the benefits. And so it says, that was great news for us. See, all you have to, all you have to do is, is be willing to believe. And that was relief, for we had assumed we could not make use of spiritual principles unless we expected so many things on faith, which seemed difficult to believe. So you don't have to worry about that. You start with belief. And you don't have to accept what other people's faith. You just have to believe that there's a power greater than yourself. We're not doing religious here. We're not doing theological treatises in AA. We're starting with, I can't run my own life. I believe there's a power that can. And how am I going to allow that power to work in my life? When people present us with spiritual, now faith is assurance that things revealed and promised in the words are true. Assurance, that's the, f I'm assured with my faith today that the things that have been revealed and promised by God are true because it's happened in my life. That's a great gift. Now that doesn't mean I always go to God right away. You get it? But I know that if I do, what happens? God's never let me down. That doesn't mean I get the new car or make more money or I'm going to sell the house tomorrow. But when I'm disturbed and I ask God to help me get undisturbed, see things differently, it happens. And people can share if that's been their way. I, I hope this has been helpful. I'm kind of just going with it. When people presented us with spiritual approaches, how frequently do we all say, I wish I had what that man has. I'm sure it would work if only I can believe as he believes. But I cannot accept as surely true the many articles of faith which are plain to him. I don't have to agree with someone else's religious, theological values. I just have to have a belief in this power, do the action, the steps, and that power is revealed to me and works in my life. So it was comforting to learn that we could commence at a simpler level. So we don't, we don't start with trust. We don't start with trust or any dogma. We start with just willing to believe that there's a power that can help me out, help me manage my life, manage my life so I don't have to live like this. There's a power that can keep me from drinking and using. Besides the seeming inability to accept much on faith, I love this chapter. There's just, so, I don't know how they wrote it. There's so much spiritual information. So it says, we often found ourselves, so we have, a lot of people have inability to accept much of faith, which is true. But we can start with belief. Anybody can start with belief, can't they? If they're willing to let go of their prejudice. We often found ourselves handicapped by obstinacy. Any obstinate people ever you meet, anybody in AA? Was I ever obstinate? We found ourselves handicapped. It's a handicap. It's blocking me. It's like a barrier. And, and I am the one who's obstinate, 
it's overly sensitive. Any sensitive people you ever met? You ever, you ever said an unreasoning prejudice? Now, when somebody has unreasoning prejudice, there's no way to talk them out of it. I can't talk someone out of their obstinacy. I've tried because I, I really want to help people and I'm passionate about it, but I can't do it. I've learned that. Many of us have been so touchy that even casual reference to spiritual things made us bristle with antagonism. This sort of thinking had to be abandoned. It has to be abandoned or nothing's going to happen. And so, um, though some of us resist, now what helps you abandon your old ideas? Pain. The pain of the way it is. Remember, when the pain of staying the same is less than the pain of change, we change. Remember? And, or is more, I can't remember, I said it wrong. Though some of us resisted, we found no great difficulty in casting aside such feelings. Now here it is. Faced with alcoholic destruction, we soon became as open-minded on spiritual matters as we had tried to be on other questions. So if you truly see your destruction, it, it, you're open-minded on spiritual matters. That's why it's so important that the people take their first step. They have to see that they ha go on to an alcoholic death or live a spiritual life are the only choices they have. There's no third door. In this respect, alcohol was a great persuader. Anybody agree with that? I had somebody, uh, I was trying to help, and he was a little obstinate, and he was fighting things. He was very busy. He's a busy guy. And he, he said, Mike, I just don't have time for your, your world that he hit the book, you know? And you know, I looked at him. I said, "Well, I, I understand. I'm, you know, that's okay." And uh, he was too busy. So I said, "Well, why don't you go to this meeting? They're doing some book work, and maybe you'll meet somebody there and you'll connect with." And and I, I had somebody of mine. So he went, and they met this person. He's great. Known him for a long time. And so he started to tell this guy that he's busy. You know, he's got a life. He's got things to do. He's got responsibilities. And the guy says, and it's true, I wish I had thought of it at the time. You never think of things at the time, right? He said, if you don't make recovery first, you're going to lose everything. And think about it. I mean, if you don't put your recovery first, you're going to lose your job. You're going to lose your family. You're going to lose this. And we just had somebody I talked to tonight, and he had, he's lost the custody of his daughter. And we, we hinted to him that that might happen. It's happened. But maybe that's what he's been sober now 40 days. I talked to him tonight. And he seems to have a different zeal for recovery. Because, he, you know, and sometimes, it, but he'll get the daughter back. I said, you know, he's still seeing her. And, but he'll get custody of her again if he keeps doing this. And so, uh, Alcohol is the great persuader. It finally beat us into a state of reasonableness. So, I mean, this is, you know, these are, this is what hitting bottom, I think, is. You're faced with alcoholic destruction, become open-minded on everything. And remember, it said in the book, when we, uh, what do we have to do? It says, what do we have to do? We ask the question, what do I need to do? These people seem to have a way, of, what do I need to do? And it says, that's what the book is trying to do. It finally beat us into a state of reasonableness. Sometimes this was a tedious process. 
Sometimes it takes a long time to beat somebody. Sometimes, it, but we hope no one else will be prejudiced as long as some of us were. And it's my prejudice that was killing me. I still have some prejudices today about things. I mean, they seem trivial, but like somebody will tell me to watch a show. I said, no, I'm not going to like it. I don't like the name. I'm not going to watch it. And I'll go a year, and then I'll say, I'll watch the damn thing. And it's great. I said, well, why did I wait a year? Books, movies, things like that. Uh, sometimes when my wife will, so now when my wife makes suggestions about doing something, and my immediate thought is, oh, please. You know what I say now? Sure, honey. And you know what? My life's better. better. Yeah. We get along better, too. Uh, I'm in a good mood. I can't help myself. Uh, but it's true. The reading, so remember what, what Chuck C. said, what else am I wrong about today? What am I going to find that I'm wrong about? I want to be wrong. I want to be able to change my mind. And, and I want to be wrong about my fear and my judgments and all of that. And so uh, he used to say, God, he called them dad, Chuck C. And so what else am I going to be wrong about today? And I, I asked God to keep my mind open and to... Uh, put people in my life that I can help. And um, it says, the reader, reader may still ask why he should believe in a power greater than himself. See, they're hammering this home. We think there are good reasons. Let's look at some of them today. I think I'll just read uh, another paragraph or two. The practical individual today is a stickler for facts and results. That's true of today, isn't it? We're very scientific. We're trying to find the beginning of creation, right? to keep looking. Nevertheless, I think the interesting thing, the more they look for the beginning of creation, they find more galaxies. Because there's no end to this. So, you know, yeah. Nevertheless, the 20th century readily accept theories of all kinds, provided they are firmly grounded in fact. Now, I think the internet must be grounded in fact, but I don't know how it works. I don't know how the cloud works. Anybody know how I can push YouTube and record a game and it's just there in the cloud and I push the button, it comes to me. Hello. Uh, we have numerous theories about electricity. Everybody believes them. This was written in 1939 without a murmur of doubt. You believe when you turn the switch, the electricity is going to come on, don't you? Why this ready simply? Simply because it is impossible to explain what we see, feel, direct, and use without a reasonable assumption as a starting point. And so everybody nowadays believes in scores of assumptions for which there's no good evidence, but no perfect, there's good evidence, but no perfect visual proof. Does not science demonstrate that visual proof is the weakest proof? It is being constantly revealed as mankind studies the material world that outward appearances are not inward reality at all. And I'll, uh, I think I'll end there. And I just want to say something uh, about that statement. When I was in medical school in 1972, graduated in 76, I'm old, we didn't have CT scans. We had a very primitive understanding of, of how cells worked. It, but it seemed very complicated to me when you studied biochemistry. But um, as I went in oncology, 1979, now, 
we have receptors on the cells that we didn't know about, that we have a targeted drug that blocks the receptor that triggers this genome. It's cell, each cell is so complicated, you can't even imagine. And then people are talking about there's not God. One cell, what one cell does, and why a cell becomes malignant, and it, and it doesn't have control of its growth system, and the triggers, and we understand it, and we have therapies now, chemotherapy, uh, we used that in the beginning, but now we have all these drugs, and when I watch TV now, I've been retired six, six seven years, I see all these names, and, and I haven't even heard of them, but they're, they're, it's, we didn't even know that the receptors or the, or the system was there. I remember, uh, I'm getting off, but I was at the University of Chicago, I used to be smart, and the chief resident there was working on breast cancer, and he would have be called out, and he'd have to run to the OR and get the tissue. And then um, he went to a fellowship, and then eventually, in 1990, he found the receptor on the breast cancer cell that made it very aggressive. And then he came up with a drug that inhibited that, and it really saved a lot of lives. And we didn't even know about it. And that, that thing is very commonplace now. We think it's changed. In fact, I, just, I get these updates. There are even receptors. That one receptor, they now have three of them now, and they're blocking each part of it. So I know I'm going off, but what I'm getting is that we, we can't even understand God. We can't even understand one cell and then how the cells work together and all. So anyway, I appreciate everybody here, and if you're still listening, thank you. <laughs>